Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets. Each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. I am here with Trevor Hansen, who I have had on our podcast before, and we're talking about the iceberg in our relationships that keeps us from better sexual health. And I asked Trevor to come on again, because one, I loved having you here for the discussion before and so did the audience, but I've been doing your relationship online course that you just yeah. came out with. And there were certain sections that I thought, oh, if everyone did just even this section of your relationship course, they could benefit yeah. in a giant way. So that's why you're here. And it's also September. And so um, just to make sure we are understanding, you are not a sex therapist and yeah. I want to protect you in that, yeah. but you definitely yeah. talk about sex. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't say that I have like uh, formal training in sex therapy per se. I do have some as a couples therapist, I do work with some sexual dysfunction. And if you're a couples therapist, you're a sex therapist, but I, I won't say I'm specialized in it. I think that's the clarification. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So that's the beauty I think of, of, I love your Instagram. I love all, uh, hearing from you because you are speaking to someone like me who I was in a long-term relationship now divorced and now in another relationship yeah. and it's still applicable to be working on a relationship when you're in one or you're out of one. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think, I think a lot of it's different types of work. You know, when you're in a relationship, it's more like that exposure therapy type work where you're like, okay, I'm right here. I have the opportunity to tackle this. Uh, the, the other type is, you know, even in, even in your singlehood, if that's a term, I guess, is being able to reflect back on previous relationships or maybe forecast how I might show up in future relationships based on fears, insecurities, things that I need, all that. And so whether you're in one or out of one, you can always be working on your relationships is kind of how I see that. Oh, I love it. And I cannot agree more. Um, I feel like I did a lot of work within my long-term relationship. We did a lot of therapy and a lot of uh, self-reflection, all those things. But when I had a year to myself to just figure things out and then mm. started dating, it was like, I did a lot of healing on my own. <laughs> and then you bring in a relationship and I feel I'm doing a lot of like, good job, Ashlyn, pat myself on the back. Like you're doing it different. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And it is exciting. So, um, let's, let's just go backwards and talk because September for me, um, I get a lot of people who are reaching out and they're just saying one, we're not even talking about sex mm. and that I so relate to that because I was the girl that I could get naked and have sex, but I'll talk about it. No way. Like that's so vulnerable <laughs> and it makes absolutely no sense. Um, but I know it's also common for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. so the, it was like, I wanted to fix this, the cherry on top this thing that seemed right in front of my face, our sexual health, my mm -hmm. own and as a relationship. And yet 
there was all this underlying thing, you know, the mess that was there mm-hmm. that we weren't actually dealing with. Mm. Yeah. So this is the iceberg. Yes. Yeah. So the, the concept of the iceberg or the analogy of the iceberg, uh, was first, um, thought of or kind of introduced by Virginia Satir and Virginia Satir. She's like the grandmother of, uh, like the founding, uh, usually they say founding fathers, but she's a woman, like a founding mother of experiential therapy and experiential therapy is this whole branch of therapy where the idea is that change happens from not from like changing cognitions per se, but through emotional experience. Like, for example, all of a sudden, me and my partner are having a conversation about how deeply we care about each other and remembering the first times when we met and why we chose each other. And that creates feelings of longing and safety and security. And then we walk away from that just feeling a little bit more connected and a little bit more safe. We didn't necessarily like change like a negative belief or something, but we just feel more connected. And so that's the branch of experiential therapy. And Virginia Satir talks about the iceberg in a way that I I love. So the idea is that if you're cruising, you know, on a boat, you think of the Titanic, um, very, very little of an iceberg is seen. It's only about 10% floating above the surface, but the majority, the bulk of that iceberg is below the surface. And if you think that, you know, you can skirt right past just that little clump of ice that you see poking out of the water, you're going to wind up hitting what's underneath because it, it grows out kind of laterally. And so she had this idea that says, um, and a lot of therapists have expounded on it. Um, I include it in my course and I try to help give like some real um, applicable applicable ways of kind of exploring your own, I guess, emotional iceberg, like what's beneath the surface. What we see on the surface might be uh, when we're speaking about sex, sexual dysfunction or um, some sort of incongruency and in expectations or what have you. But underneath is oftentimes a whole iceberg of information that leads up to that sexual dysfunction, which is the thing that's, like you said, in your face, easy to see. Yeah. And it makes me Okay. I have a question because yeah. this is, this is my experience. Um, I have two different experiences going to couples therapy because two different partners. Yeah. Um, but my former partner, we would go and it was like finger pointing. Uh-huh. The The problem was in front of our face, but it was also their stuff. Like mm. if you would just fix your stuff, then my stuff would be fixed. Mm. And, um, I would definitely was not looking in the mirror when I started couples therapy. It was, it was all the fingers pointing at someone else. Um, do you find that is common when people first come? Yeah, it it can be, it can be. And I kind of think it depends on like who, um, I I guess the approach to therapy as well, because a lot of approaches to therapy are very like solutions oriented might depend on the therapist. So like if, if you go in and you're trying to, you you're taking the problem outside of a blame perspective, which all therapists will do. That's going to be really, really helpful because most of the time it's not, it's really not about like one or the other, especially if two people are showing up to couples therapy, they're committed, they're trying. Um, there's really, there's really like a lot of, there's responsibility, but I, I think to say like, it's your fault or it's your fault. Uh, it's a game that like doesn't help. If anything, I agree. <laughs> uh, I will say the uh, going to therapy with when you're in a good spot, which is what we just did last month, mm-hmm. 
was a whole different experience. Like mm. not waiting until the wheels were falling off, just going and saying, hey, let's have a middleman yeah. talk about something hard. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful. So um, yeah, highly recommend no finger pointing. Um, yeah. So we go in, this is right in front of our face and mm -hmm. we start to see, okay, there's more happening here. Um, in your course, you talk about um, some of the three ways that we can um, respond to the iceberg. Um, mm. well, let's talk about that. Yeah. So ways that that we can, and it's um, it's funny. You, sometimes people walk out of therapy and they're like, "You said this," and I'm like, "Oh, did I?" And they're like, "Yeah, it was really helpful." And I'm like, "Oh, great. I don't what remember. I <laughs> don't remember doing that." Um, but help me, help me draw out from your experience, kind of these three ways, because I'm I'm hearing three ways, and I'm like, "There's a maybe. There's a lot." Well, of ways you to said do it, but... you said there's three ways, and then you said, oh, "Well, infinite ways." And so, okay, um, you definitely were like, "You're doing exactly." That's what we do. We're like, I don't know. This is actually, this sounds more right. Um, but being able to, we're going to show up in like attachment mm. and the way that maybe it was modeled to us. Um, and oh, we're going yeah. to react maybe, um, which I fully understand now, but I didn't understand at the beginning of, you know, I wasn't skilled when I entered, uh, the relationship I did at a young age. Yeah. And so even understanding that, part of the way I was reacting was because of how I was interpreting the world that blew mm. my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So, so when we, when we think about the concept of the iceberg, it is that there are deeper, usually meanings behind which we start to interpret our situation from that interpretation. Uh, we, we have different emotions and those emotions are very, very important because they inform what happens as far as our behavior. And then it creates more of the tip of the iceberg. So we might interpret our partner's behavior in a way that says like, I'm not enough. I'm, you know, I'm deficient in some kind of way, or they're going to leave me. So there's, there's fears, there's longings, there's emotions that are happening underneath the surface. And a lot of times, like you're saying, we will bring kind of pre-programmed meanings to situations based on the past it's like oh this this reminds me of you know it at least at least reminds my body of a relationship that i had growing up of my parents of uh, and this could be literally before you even have memory to recall these things some of these early childhood attachment related i guess traumas as you could call them have come from when we couldn't even speak and it doesn't mean you have bad parents or anything like that it just means that you've had situations where love attachment and safety feel like they're fleeting inconsistent or you're a little bit unsure of whether whether they will be consistent or not yeah which, oh, I hope people listening are, maybe they're a, very, a little aware of these things, or maybe they're a lot aware. And mm. um, that radically changed my life to realize that the, everyone in my life has some sort of attachment mm -hmm. to the way that they're interpreting the world and seeing the world. So um, I have to bring up, there's, uh, what section was it? The translator. Yeah. In in your program where you gave an example that is very close to home and familiar. <laughs> really? <laughs> and it just made me laugh. Um, because you said this there's a couple 
not me, um, but similar to me, who the the husband, it was a husband in that situation comes home late and the wife is saying, you're always late. Mm. And so that, so one, you can tell it how you want, but it just made me very, it's very familiar of like, you're coming, I can see both sides, the husband coming home from work after a long day and he's excited. Maybe I get to, you know, oh, let's connect and let's, and then she's frustrated. You're late. I wanted to connect and now I don't want to, because you clearly don't want to be with me. You don't care Mm. about me. Yeah. And so hearing you share that dynamic, why don't you share it? You're better at it's your story. Yeah. So, well, I think it, it's it's a classic example of like beneath the iceberg, right? So let's say, you know, the wife's at home, she's waiting for him to come home and he's consistently, yeah, is, is late for some reason. And um, the meaning that she's making out of that is coming from a lot of different places. Maybe it's related to early childhood attachment where it says, oh, there, there is something threatening to my safety in this relationship to really love or threatening. If you, if you conceptualize like as if there's three kind of entities that exist in your relationship, it's you, your partner, and then your attachment. It's that mm-hmm. thing that holds you together. And really it's seen as a view or, or sorry, it's, it's viewed as a threat to that attachment. He's coming home late. Therefore, And then there's a bunch of meaning that's made out of that. And that can come from early childhood. Like I said, it could come from just the relationship dynamics. It could come from just being a little bit more vulnerable because you're really tired or you've been working hard all day, what have you. But she's taking a lot of meaning from that. Maybe she's taking some fearful message about like, oh, he's, he probably doesn't care about me. He doesn't prioritize me. If he doesn't care about me or prioritize me, then he's going to leave me. If he's going to leave me and then we, we start going down that spiral. And so what does she do to cope? This is the tip of the iceberg. This is what he sees. You are always late. You never come home. A lot of criticism, right? She thinks that this is the solution to her problem, but really it honestly becomes her problem. And I see this all the time. Most of the time when I'm working with with people in therapy, um, the thing that they, their instinct is their so that that is their solution, is actually the problem. The thing that perpetuates. Um, we've kind of talked on a previous episode about the negative cycle. It perpetuates this negative disconnection between the two of them. So for him, what happens is he sees that behavior of of the criticism, and he has similar messages. Again, that criticism is a threat to his attachment, his safety in the relationship goodness, I'm always wrong. I'm not getting this right. She's going to leave me. She's so upset with me all the time. I wish I was better. I wish I was good enough. Um, and boom, we don't have a lot of emotional safety there. And so maybe what does he do? Well, maybe he's the more withdrawing type. And so he shuts down and, and pulls away and really underneath the surface, they're both feeling kind of the same thing. Yeah something they could really relate to. And if they knew that, if they knew that in a vulnerable sense, oh, that's, that's beautiful. And that's what I try to help couples to do when they're speaking with one another is like, let's peel back all of the tip of the iceberg. Like, let's get rid of the withdrawal. Let's get rid of the criticism. Let me just have you turn to the other one and say, I'm so afraid to lose you because I love you so deeply. It's Mm -hmm. like, whoa, okay. We just got down into the iceberg a little bit and all of a sudden we're connecting. So that's kind of how the icebergs work. And I am not a therapist in any way, but I just hearing that story, one, I relate to it in a giant way. 
Um, yeah. But I feel like when I get these women who come to my groups and they're telling me how they feel about their partner and, you know, and I'm saying, have you told them how you, you know, cause yeah. they're like, I don't know how to tell them like exactly what you just said to me yeah. is yeah. exactly how you tell them. Yeah. You're often feeling the same thing and it blows my mind because it's almost every time, whatever the situation, we're feeling similar feelings for very different reasons mm -hmm. and it is absolutely connecting. So yeah. Um, I loved that. Um, can I just share a little story that Clearly. just happened? Because that is such a relatable story for me. I, mm -hmm. I, I've lots of times have showed up in criticism mm -hmm. because it felt like you said a solution of sharing, like, this is how I feel. And this mm -hmm. is going to help us get better. And all they hear is how much I think they're the worst. And I'm going, no, right. no, I love you. And it's why it's hurt so bad. Right. Um, so I have a history with being cheated on mm -hmm. and, um, my former partner, you know, we made amends, we figured all that out and we ended up in divorce anyway. But, um, so I have that view of the world where I'm a little extra sensitive. Okay. Right. And my now partner knows that. And I would say I am in a radically secure place compared to where I have been in the past where right. I shocked myself. Mm -hmm. that I don't go into a spiral mm -hmm. when I absolutely could. And so the other day, um, we FaceTime a lot. He's coming home from work and he says, I'll be there in 15 minutes. We're FaceTiming. I see him. I see him in his car. Okay, great. I'll see you in 15 minutes. And 15 minutes goes by. Mm -hmm. And this is pretty common. Um, he's very present in wherever he's at, but also squirrels and <laughs> he loves people. And so then yeah. people come and they're like, come and see me, whatever. So, uh, someone invited him to come and see their new baby and he's right by it. So on his way home, stops Stop. and sees the new baby, yeah. but I don't know this. Right. And he's shared his location with me. Like, Hey, just so you know where I'm at, no big deal. Okay. Right. So I'm like, check his location. Oh, he's 20 minutes away. He's at someone's house. I'm so confused. And mm. in that moment, I had an option. I could go back into my fear and mm -hmm. spiral real quick of mm -hmm. like, I don't know whose house he's at. He told me he was doing one thing. Now he's doing another. Oh my gosh, this is so familiar. I'm so scared. I didn't go there though. And it mm. blew my mind. I immediately, I knew I couldn't, I didn't want to call him, but I texted him and I said, I love you. And right now I'm confused because... Mm. You're at someone's house and I don't know. And you said you were going to be here 15 minutes. Can you just give me more information? Yeah. And immediately he gives me a response and lets right. me know, I'm sorry. Right. And it was fine. And when he got home to came to my house, it was like, are you okay? We're joking about it. It wasn't this giant explosion right. that could be, but we talked about it. I said, this could have been huge for me. This is very, yeah. could be a trigger, but it wasn't. And mm -hmm. so this kind of behavior, I do need kind of an update so that it can reassure me. So me being able to ask clarifying questions yeah. soothes me and it's my job to soothe, but it helps me see like, Hey, I'm okay. He's giving mm -hmm. me that reassurance mm -hmm. and showing me, um, and he's willing to make those changes and to consider me and yeah. my vision of the world. And I think that's, that's huge, especially in, in light of some sort of, um, trauma that is related to attachment, 
very, especially if it's like very specifically related to attachment, whether that be with like a parent or with past partners, you know, things like betrayal trauma and whatnot. Um, yeah, it, it becomes, it becomes a bit more challenging because those emotional responses are kind of on autopilot a little bit, you know, like the brain's like, I'm going to do this without you even thinking about it. And so it kind of takes us down this path. Right. And you're like, Oh, hold on, hold on. So, um, you know, speaking back about, you know, our, our good old mother, Virginia Satir, she talks about this concept in a word that I love because it kind of sums it up nicely, which is congruent communication. So you are congruent between how you feel and actually what you say. And mm. a lot of that takes um, exploration of actually how you feel because you might need to get past just the immediate alarm bells and the anger and all of that. She, she talks about this congruency. And I always say, you know, people, people come into my office and they're like, hey, uh, we want to work on communication. I'm like, great. But really, you don't need communication right now, in my mind. What you need is awareness and then we'll communicate because you're pretty dang good at communicating. Actually, you know, you're late. I see that I'm going to be very direct and tell you, you are late and that is not okay. I'm pretty good at <laughs> Yeah, I'm communicating. I'm saying things pretty dang accurately. However, what I'm missing is my awareness. Maybe I'm actually really afraid right now. Yeah. And I need to tell him that instead of tell him how wrong he is for being later by taking the detour and how not cool that was. And it's like, oh, hold on. Yeah, I'm actually not saying the correct thing. Can you imagine if we tried to solve like some complex problem? Like, I don't know, like I'm thinking of like NASA scientists, like building a rocket and they're just talking about uh, like freaking birds or like the lake or like any subject other than rockets. And they think that they're going to somehow create like this beautiful rocket and send it to the moon. I don't know why I chose birds and lakes. I don't know, but, but it's, it's the same thing. We do it in our relationships where we start talking about stuff that is not related to the mm-hmm. actual problem is not related to our actual feelings. And so no wonder we miss each other. No wonder we like, don't figure this thing out. Okay. I love that. And this is why I, I'm a giant fan of yours because you do explain things a little different than most therapists. And I really appreciate that. So I love that. It's not about the communication. Most of us are just failing in the awareness and that, and for me, it's like, I just need one minute. And if I can come back to my breath Mm -hmm. and just back to my heart and get out of my head, Mm -hmm. my head is often, you know, overthinking every little thing, but my heart knows where I need to be. Yeah. And my heart can tell me where I'm at and feeling. And I have had those moments where I have a quick reaction. Mm-hmm. I feel maybe threatened. Mm-hmm. And but to catch myself within two minutes instead of two days and say, I'm sorry, I was scared. That felt scary to me to hear that. And mm. that was me reacting. That's huge for me. Yeah. And that's a huge yeah. shift. And although I'm still not showing up how I want to and perfect, I am showing up worlds better than I ever did before. Mm. Mm. That matters. It it does matter. It does matter. And, you know, I can't help but think about, you know, our topic and the idea of, of how does this relate to your sexual relationship Yes. and sexual dysfunction? Because you think about it. Okay. So let's say, 
uh, the classic sexual dysfunctions as far as like actual physiological things that just don't seem to work. It's like, okay, like painful penetration or erectile dysfunction or any of that stuff. I think my first question is figure out what is the emotional iceberg like during sex, leading up to it, after it, what's our conceptualization as we think about sex and what's the emotional iceberg underneath that? Like what comes up for me? Is there, there's so many layers there. You could think about, okay, the way I grew up, let's start there. Uh, closeness, safety, and attachment that hasn't been consistent. And so maybe being as vulnerable as it is to be engaged sexually feels threatening and scary to a part of my brain and my body. Okay, maybe I need to go back and do a little bit of work on that. Maybe it's challenging because I just don't feel safe in the mm -hmm. sexual encounter. And safe sounds like a pretty heavy word. It, it could be, I mean, not feeling safe could be your own perception of like needing to perform, right? Performance anxiety is probably like one of the biggest things that mm -hmm. I feel like I see between couples is feeling like, oh, this is a performance rather than this is an experience. And yeah. that can create, you know, psychological unsafety. I'm not safe here. I don't know how to do this. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a pro at sex. Like, yeah. And so uh, there's, what's the emotional content behind it? Because if you think that your body is going to respond in order to connect with a person without feeling like safe and comfortable, like, yeah, it's, it, it's very related. Like if I'm running from a bear, I'm not turned on. I'm like, definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Good example. Like, I mean, really though, you think about it and there's like a part of your brain that's running from a bear and your partner's like, Hey, you want to have some sex? You're like, actually, no, no. like, I think you just all. described like the first 10 years of my marriage. That yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> Well, and and it's hard because there's there's layers to it, and you can't just like ignore it and be like, oh, like maybe if we, you know, physiological things definitely do work. Like there's some there's some things that you can do to increase comfort and arousal and all that. But the the emotional stuff, like what kind of baggage do I bring in as far as sexual shame or yeah. safety and connection, or are we fighting? Because if we're fighting elsewhere. And we think that we're just gonna like flip on a light switch and sex is gonna be fantastic. Some people yeah. can do that. I think a lot of people can't though. Right. Um, it's interesting because I think of my own experience and I have so many women, you know, who've been in that world of betrayal and breaches mm. of trust. And we really do go to that, the thing that's right in front of our face. Okay, I'm gonna go see a sex therapist or I'm going to find a solution that is sex related. Mm. And we really don't dive into what am I actually feeling around this? And yeah. why am I scared? Um, I, I was encouraged um, through my sexual healing to do a sexual history, which mm. sounds really scary. Yeah. Um, but for someone like me, who I was raised in a, a strict Christian home. Mm -hmm. And so sex was already very taboo. Mm. And, you know, my own experience doesn't mean I'm not blaming religion. I'm saying right, right. it's the culture, it's the the teachings, and then you throw in family dynamics and totally the, all of it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just like, don't talk about it. And then also how they get pregnant and also <laughs> why are they getting divorced? Like there was just no explanation of anything. Mm. And, you know, it's very different now with my mom and mm. my dad's past, but 
we have lots of conversations now and it is healthy. And Mm -hmm. before it was not, and it was figured out on your own, but I brought in so much sexual shame Mm -hmm. and, and just not understanding me and, and my worthiness Mm -hmm. to have a great experience rather than to perform or to have, to give an experience to my partner. What about me? And there just wasn't me included in any of it. And so for me to go through and and do that sexual history of like, oh, wow, look at the narratives that I've brought in and beliefs around sex. Just that alone was killing the vibe. <laughs> super, super big. Yeah. yeah. And then you bring in some sexual trauma. Oh. It was not related to my current relationship, but yet was definitely affecting my current relationship. Of course. Of course. And so... When I started to dive into those things, it was very clear, like, there's so much underlying here that I've just been skipping. And I really was doing exactly what you said before, running from that bear in the iceberg and just like, I don't know, but maybe it will go away Mm -hmm. if if it's like after a period of time. And Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it didn't. It didn't. I had to do my own work. I had to heal what was inside of me. And I had to start showing up in a vulnerable way and just sharing rather than hitting the iceberg Mm. over and over and over going, why isn't this working? Yeah. Why am I not getting better? It's, it's so, it's so amazing what you can find out when you start exploring that iceberg and start asking the right questions. And, you know, on our previous show that we, we talked on, we talked about the negative cycle and a, a, typical presentation of a negative or disconnecting cycle between couples. It does follow some gender roles. Uh, Sometimes for me, my wife is actually reversed. Um, And I want to bring this up because there's actually a sexual cycle as well. Um, that is, that could also be a negative cycle. And it's basically when we take my iceberg, we put it next to your iceberg and we figure out like, Oh, how are these floating in the water and bumping up against each other to create conflict? Like, how is this not working for us? And how can we maybe understand our icebergs a little bit better? So typically, um, you know, women tend to be a bit more pursuing criticism and guys tend to like withdraw and stonewall. I think there's some cultural factors there. I think there's some biological factors, but either way, that's what we typically see. But you can also see that same dynamic have a flip or a role reversal in in sexual um, cycle, or it could remain the same. But you look at it like, let's say, you know, when a couple tries to engage in sex and uh, there is something not quite working, right? And the um, the guy is a bit more pursuant, maybe wanting to be engaged, and the wife maybe is withdrawing from the experience. Nope, I'm out of here. <sighs> okay, what's happening? We've just got the tip of the iceberg. You know, she's withdrawing, he's pursuant, and maybe he's a bit critical. Like, why does you know why mm. does this never happen? Like, do you not even love me? Whatever. Um, underneath the surface, what's happening for her? Maybe she's not feeling like confident or maybe she has something from the past like like that sexual trauma or just simply the relationship dynamic in other places doesn't feel safe or secure or his history might be triggering to her or what have you there's so many like emotions but what she shows him and i mean we could start either side right i'm not saying it's her fault or his fault it Mm -hmm. starts either way it's infinite um what she shows him is that like he's undesirable Mm -hmm. You know, and that he's maybe 
not enough or, or that she just doesn't want to want to do that with him. And so he starts to make meaning out of that and then gets critical. And in his critical nature, she starts to take on again, a similar meaning. Ha, huh, you know, I, I'm not good enough for him. I can't do this right. I'm such a disappointment. Uh, you know, I wish I could be better for him. And, and then it starts to boil down into, again, those attachment related fears. Maybe we're not good enough for each other. Mm. Maybe we're not sexually compatible and, or maybe we're like all these fears about the attachment start to grow. And you can see both one has a, both of them have a big iceberg. And if you were to say what's underneath an iceberg, like what questions do I need to ask myself? I, I always say, you know, what, what am I, um, what am I afraid of? What am I needing? And like, how am I, how am I showing you that? Am I showing mm. you like the accurate message or am I showing you something different? Most of the time we're kind of showing them something different if we're negatively um, stuck in that cycle. But yeah, like, what am I needing? What am I fearing? What am I longing? And then just generally, what are my emotions? Do I feel sad? Do I feel lonely? Like, can I talk about that? Can I talk about that in the framework of how it relates to the attachment? I feel sad and lonely when you are not close to me, when we cannot connect this way. I long to be with you. Again, bringing it back to that thing that is in, uh, kind of threatened to that moment, which is the attachment between the two of you. So that's, that's kind of how a sexual cycle or negative cycle can look between two people. But if we slow it down, we can figure out the iceberg uh, underneath mm. it all. I think if, um, I think people related, I related to, to that in my own experience, but also hearing so many women mm. of, of that. So I know if you're listening and feeling any sort of like, this feels like us, um, one, I hope you realize you're not alone totally. and, and it is also something that you can be working on and we can change our mind. We can change our hearts and we can work together. Um, especially if you have two willing people to make change and to really just for me, it's, I love what you said because I actually have a journal prompt that I, that's what I do. I, I, I feel, I fear, mm. and then what I need, but I like mm. that. How am I showing up? Because that is a, a really poignant self-reflection of, okay, maybe I'm doing the exact opposite mm. of what I'm really trying to share here. And that is where it takes your individual experience and puts it in the relational context. You know, how I feel, how I fear and how, um, like what I'm needing that, that kind of keeps you floating in your own water. Right. Yeah. But the second that you go, how am I showing up? And maybe uh -huh. how is that interpreted? Boom. We start bridging that gap and we start making yeah. it relational. This is really exciting. And then what you can also do is take that empathetic stance and go, huh, what are they fearing? What are they feeling? Uh -huh. How, how are they showing up and how am I interpreting that? Is my interpretation accurate? Could it be different? Because if, if the two of you love each other, if you're just, if you're trying to make it work, but you seem like you're just hitting heads, then the interpretation most likely isn't wholly true. Mm -hmm. I say wholly because I, I don't want to be like, oh, everything is perfect. And like, you know, paint this silver lining on everything. But most of the time it comes down to both of you really want to be close both of you feel longings. And if you can make that more explicit and tune into that message, who man, we start to feel good. We start to get connected and it feels safe. Yeah, it, it really does for me. 
just experiencing both worlds. And a lot of it is a shift in me. I'm not mm. saying change your partner and do all those things. Mm. Um, it really is like, for me, it feels like I've climbed this mountain mm. and I'm like, okay, I'm here and I feel it. And I'm just, I'm going to be really vulnerable and I'm just going to say it instead yeah. of holding it in and dancing around it. I'm just going to say it. And it just skips so many steps of the back and forth and, and the assuming I'm really good at assuming. Mm. And so for me to try to get out of that world and out of my head mm -hmm. and just asking and mm -hmm. sharing, um, is really changing into the relationship that I've always dreamed of that I really didn't think was possible. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if, as we talk about this, it can sound a bit overwhelming to try to decipher all of this information and then know how to actually deliver it or yes. use it right you're like trevor and ashlyn i hear you guys saying like understand the depth of your iceberg your emotions your feelings your experience from childhood and like put it all together and then communicate it in a way that's connecting like that is a big task and i think that is why i created the connection course because yeah. the the kind of the flow or the way it's, it guides you through it is it heightens that awareness first. And then we, we do a lot of awareness heightening and kind of almost some of the modules have a lot of overlap because you mm -hmm. need to go back multiple times. Like you need to keep digging and you need to slow down. So you, you bring up that awareness. So you're like, oh, cool. This is what I'm dealing with. These are my feelings. This is a pretty good guess on what my partner's feeling without like being married to it because you don't want to assume. Um, but like empathetic stance. And then um, we, towards the end of it, start to couple that information with, okay, how do I actually deliver this? How do I actually mm -hmm. like speak this out to my partner? And I, I, you know, so I can have a more connecting experience in that. And so if it feels overwhelming, um, that is why I, I created this tool so that you can do that uh, in a way that feels like, oh, someone's kind of helping me through it and guiding me through yes. it. I have Trevor in my ear. Tell me what to say. No, but like I'm, my guess is that people are listening and taking notes. So yeah. if you are that person, I'm guess what? Trevor is giving you a discount mm -hmm. um, through, I have a discount code for you. Ashlyn 15. Yep. yep. It's Ashlyn 15. It's a, uh, it's just all caps, Ashlyn. And then the letters or numbers one five. So, okay. yeah. so that you can not only take notes, but also learn and you really will be able to say, okay, here's the self-awareness. Here's what I can do. Here's some verbiage I can actually say. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I loved about your course, um, and this is how I created my course is that it's for an individual, but it benefits mm -hmm. a couple and you could mm -hmm. do it together as a couple, you could do it as an individual and it still shifts your relationship. Yes. Yeah. And you could do it in a relationship or outside of a relationship too. I've got a few people who, uh, are doing it right now who have been recently divorced and they want to reflect on like, huh, what, what, what could I have done maybe different or what awareness do I need going into my next relationship? And so if, if you're in the boat that says, Hey, I want to build the most healthy relationship I possibly can. And I want resource to do that. I'm not going to sit here and be like, my course will be the ultimate thing for you. Cause that is like way too ridiculous. However, I will say I tried to put everything I possibly could into this, um, in a way that it's not overwhelming. And basically everything that I wished I would have known before I was married yes. and also everything I wish my couples knew before they showed up to therapy or mm. kind of like what I'm hoping to help them understand while they're in therapy. 
I tried to bundle it all into kind of this one inclusive resource. And so, um, and, and I'm just going to endorse the crap out of it because the thing is my world is betrayal and -hmm. divorce and all these really icky hard things that those are the courses that I've created because that is my world, but to sue, to do a course that isn't based in those feelings and to just say, Hey, let's get better or mm-hmm. let's, let's get some skills. Let's skill up. We're already doing great. Let's get even greater. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very different experience, um, for me as an individual. And I just, like I said, at the beginning, I think if anyone just did two of the modules, they would be like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, like this is, this is part of our solution. This is what we've been missing in our relationship. So whether you do come from my world of betrayal or divorce, or maybe you have, you know, had a great relationship and you just want to make it better. This to me is a solution and you've priced it really low in my opinion. So um, it's affordable for everyone. And then he's giving you a little discount with uh, my code. So, yeah, I wanted to make it. So it was just like, accessible to like everybody. I have a lot of international following and people that maybe, you know, don't come from a wonderful exchange rate across the globe. And Uh, and I I want it to be like, you know what, for the cost of basically a therapy session, like I want to get like a ton of value out of that. And so that's kind of the mindset behind that. It's like, you know what, if long-term therapy, seeing somebody over and over again, it seems out of reach and you can't do that. Not to say this is a replacement because it is definitely not, and it's not considered therapy, but it is, it is a resource to say, you know what, I, I can't spend, you know, a lot of money because it can add up really fast doing therapy, but I can pay for one session, apparently, uh, like, totally. essentially. And you can go back and do it again if you need to. Yeah, um, I do want to say something because we had this conversation. We've both created courses online. Yeah. And and here I am going, you know, I buy courses yeah. and I create courses and I understand that people buy them and don't do them yeah. or they buy them. And I have women who reach out. I bought your Beyond Betrayal course a year ago. I haven't started it because it's uh, scary. Sometimes yeah. it's just scary. Like I don't want to dive into this thing that could help me. Um, but you invest, like you take that first step. Hmm. And, and so I know from my own experience, I have a course that I bought from a gal in Australia and I've done 30% of it. (laughs) Here I am saying, Hey, do this and do that. But I'm also a human too, where I'm like not showing up in the way I want to. And I forget. So if you're ready to invest in whatever way you want, um, I find it, I do best when I schedule it in or Mm -hmm. I take, you know, when I have 15 minutes and I'm doing dishes, I have just, I leave the, um, your page, your course Mm -hmm. open on my phone Mm -hmm. and I can just pop in and listen to like 10 minutes of a module and be like, okay, I'm going to reflect on that. So I'm not (laughs) doing it all in one day. I'm not doing it all in one week. It's really just like bits and pieces. And that's, what's working for me. Yeah. Adapting, adapting things to, to what works, right? Whether it's reading a book or doing a course, just doing it, taking some sort of action, I feel like is the most challenging thing. You know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I was like, how could I, how could I incentivize people to like finish courses? Cause I want them to do it. Like, it's so good for them. It's so awesome. And I'm like, like I should have like a bonus, like some sort of prize that you get. Like if you like finish it, like I'll like email you something cool. I don't know. I I don't know. I'll have to think of something. 
Yeah. And if you figure it out, let us all know. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. <laughs> it's just that human experience, but, but really I am saying I create, you create, and yet we both still invest in ourselves. There's Absolutely. still so much value and what Trevor has created is a lot of value. So, and it's for everyone. So that's why he's here. I wanted every one of you to experience, um, what he has to offer and what he's creating and giving to the world. So thank you for being here. And, um, I hope everyone can figure out their icebergs and work on their sexual health. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're, uh, if you're looking for the the link to the course, mm. you can find it most likely. I'm going to say it's probably in the show notes. Is that right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then also, um, on my Instagram, the link in my bio or on my TikTok, you can find it there. Um, or you can go to a new, a N U E, uh, counseling.com. Uh, and it's just the main landing page there right now. Uh, so you can find the course in those ways. Great. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for being here with me today. Whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.